thank you that they're studying a topic that's so important in our world, especially for women today. And I just pray that the next few minutes, the Holy Spirit would speak to me and speak through me, that you would prepare our hearts to hear your word today, that we would realize we are making a difference in our world. And Father, we would realize that we are planting seeds that are going to be growing for years to come. They're going to touch thousands and thousands and thousands of women around the world. And Father, just encourage us in that today. But now let your Holy Spirit and your word just come alive inside of us. Show us some things that can be applied to our lives. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. So I understand you've been studying courage and especially looking at the life of Joshua. I want to pick up with what you've been studying a little bit. Um, I believe that the story of Israel, from the time they leave Egypt until the time they take possession of the Promised Land, is one of the most important stories in the Bible. It's a story of faith and it's a story of courage, and you've been studying about that. It's interesting, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, you don't need to turn there. We're going to look at Joshua 24 in just a few minutes if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there, Joshua 24. But in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul makes the statement that everything that happened to Israel on those journeys, from Egypt into the Promised Land, everything that happened there was recorded as an example to us and as an admonition to us. An example and then an admonition. An example is something you look at and learn from, and an admonition is something that you apply to your life. So what he was saying is this study on courage that you have been involved in, it's something that you get information from the stories and you learn from it, but then you apply it to your life and you move forward. And with that in mind, let me say, if you and I are going to possess all that God has prepared for us, now listen to these words. If you and I are going to possess everything that God has prepared for us, it's going to take faith and it's going to take courage. Because this whole walk with God is a walk of faith, it's a walk of courage, and it is our promised land in this life. You know, Joshua is one of my favorite Bible characters, mainly because he was one of only two people who had the courage to believe God, even against the will of the whole nation of Israel. And out of that whole generation that died in the wilderness, only Joshua and Caleb went in and possessed the promised land. They were two guys that stood out and said, we will believe God in spite of what everybody else says, in spite of what everybody else does. And as I think about the story of Joshua, I want to break this message the next few minutes really into two parts. The first part's pretty brief, but it's this. The story of Joshua begins with two passages of Scripture in Joshua 1 that really describe the type of life that will possess the Promised Land. Now, a couple of Sundays ago, I talked about going into the Promised Land. How many were here a couple of Sundays ago when my, I did a video message on Sunday morning? I talked about entering into your Promised Land. Your Promised Land... It's the Word of God. It's the Scriptures where He's given you promises for this life. Your promised land are the promises that God has dropped into your heart, the things He's put inside of you that you know He wants to do for you and in you and through you. That's the promised land that God wants us to live out. But the only way we possess that promised land is through courage and through faith. 
So I want you to notice something, and you don't need to take time to turn there, but let me just give it to you real quickly. In Joshua chapter 1, there's two passages that always stand out to me. It's the first part of the chapter where in, the, in verses 2 and 3, God says to Joshua, Moses is dead. The old generation is past. The time of the wilderness is over. It's time for you and all the people to go in and possess the land. And in verse 3, he says this. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I've given to you. For over 35 years, I've preached from that scripture. I've preached it and I've preached it and I've preached it all over the country. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've already given to you. The verbiage of that verse has always amazed me. The tenses of that verse, the past tense, the present tense, the future tense. It's a picture of how we walk with God. And God says, I've given you promises, I've made promises to you. But every place the sole of your foot steps on, it's already been given to you. In other words, there are things that God has promised to us. There are things he's provided for us, but we can never enjoy those things if we just sit back in our rocking chair and watch. You know, some people want to rock their way through life. You don't get to rock your way through life with God. You walk your way through life with God. And he said, if you want to possess the promised land, you've got to get up and you've got to start walking in that direction. Because every place your feet go, it's already yours. It's already yours, but until you possess it, you don't really know what it's all about. God gives a promise, and then faith possesses what God has promised. And then later on in chapter 1, and I'm sure Anne taught real strongly from these verses, but verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, God begins to give instructions to Joshua, and he starts talking about a life of courage. This is what he says. In verse 6, he says, be strong and of a good courage. In verse 7, he says, only be strong and very courageous. Then in verse 9, he says, haven't I told you? Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Three times in these verses, God says to Joshua, you got to be strong and courageous, or you got to be really strong and really courageous. You got to be strong. You got to believe. You got to be tough. You got to keep moving forward. And what he did was he encouraged him in here and he said, the way you stay strong and courageous is, you keep your eyes on the prize. Remember what I've promised to you. Remember the promised land because this is where we're headed. So be strong and courageous. And when you get a little tired and a little weary, look at what's ahead and realize how much more there's going to be. And that will keep you moving forward. The other thing he said in verse 8, he says, stay with God's plan and God's design for your life. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Just stay in my word, walk with me, stay with me, don't get out of step, stay with me, and we will possess all of the promises together. Then he added in verse 9, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. I want to pick it up here today because I think one of the challenges of serving God and, and walking by faith and believing for more is the fact that you will have to deal with fear sometimes. You will at times feel like giving up. But it's interesting the words that God spoke to Joshua. Number one, he says, don't be afraid. 
Do not be afraid. Do not let fear come in and possess you. I mean, everybody is challenged with uncertain circumstances. Everybody faces situations that bring a certain amount of fear into our lives. But God said to him, don't be afraid. Be courageous. Be strong. Believe me. The second thing he said was, do not be dismayed. We don't use that word in English very much, dismayed. And anytime I see a word in, in Scripture that I wonder what it's really saying, I go to the original writings and I look at it. And this word dismayed in the original writings means to break down. To break down, to have a breakdown of faith and a breakdown of courage. He says, don't be afraid and don't break down. And what it literally means is to be broken down by violence or to be broken down by confusion. It's speaking of two kinds of attacks. First of all, it speaks about the enemy attacking us violently. How many of you know we have an adversary in our lives? Scripture says we have an adversary. He's called the devil. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan's design for your life is to keep you out of the promised land. God's design for your life is to get you into the promised land. And here's the thing. He said you've got to be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid, but don't let the enemy break you down. How many have ever had the enemy attack your life? Have you ever had him get violent with you? I mean, I've been through a few violent episodes in my life. Sometimes he can get violent. And, and the Lord said to Joshua, when the enemy comes in and attacks you with violence, don't let that break you down. Keep fighting. And the second thing he said was, don't be broken down mentally and emotionally by confusion. Now, I know all of you from time to time face attacks from the enemy. But one of his greatest weapons is to confuse us Make us begin to question God's working, the circumstances, the timing. I don't see it working out. This makes no sense to me. And once we get to that place of confusion, if we don't move out of it, it begins to take us in reverse. And instead of stepping in and possessing and putting our feet where God says they belong, we begin to back up and we begin to think, I can't go there and I never will go there. And we give up. And what happens is we get broken down by confusion. God says, don't give into that now let's let's fast forward to joshua 24. i know ann's been teaching you and, and the different women have been teaching about courage in this life in joshua 24 we find that joshua has now come down to the end of his life his time is about over his ministry his leadership the days of him leading the people in and possessing the land. His purpose, his mission, it's coming to an end. He's getting old. He's getting up in years. And he calls all the nation of Israel together, and he's going to share with them one final message, one final address. Now, I want to give you some homework. I'm going to ask you to go home this week and read all of Joshua 24. It's a great chapter. I, I wish I had time to dive in the whole thing with you, but we really don't. But here's what happens. In the first part of the chapter, Joshua begins to recount the history of Israel from Egypt all the way to the Promised Land. He begins to tell about things that he saw in his lifetime. 
he begins to tell the stories of how God delivered them miraculously, kept them in the wilderness, how the people stayed in the wilderness for 40 years because they wouldn't believe God, and how all those people died, but God raised up a new generation. And now they've gone in and possessed the land, and they're seeing all of the blessings of God. They're living in the land of promise. So Joshua's saying all of this. It gets down to verse number 14. I want you to follow along with me. If you don't have your Bible, I think we'll have the verses on the screen. But Joshua 24, I want to read verses 14 and 15. Here's what Joshua says. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt, serve the Lord. Verse 15 says this, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, literally means if it seems bad to you, if you don't think it's a good idea, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And finally, he concludes with this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Most of you know the end of that 15th verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about having the courage to make the right choice. Having the courage to choose well and to choose correctly, choose properly. Having the courage to make the tough choice when there are easier choices you could make. I love what Josh was saying to the people. He said, this is a day when I'm asking you at the end of my lifetime, at the end of my leadership, I, the one who's brought you into this land and led you with God's help, I'm asking you to make some choices today. Here's what's interesting about this chapter. When you go home and read it this week, you'll see it. The first several verses, Joshua's talking about what God has done, and he summarizes it, and this is what he says. He says, look what God has done. Look what God has done. Remember all that stuff about courage? Remember all that stuff about faith? Look what God has done. What Joshua is saying is look over your shoulder and realize it has been worth it. Can I ask you something today? Has it been worth it walking with God this far? Can you look over your shoulder and say, wow, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I stepped into the waters, the river Jordan, and the waters opened up and God led me across. The waters closed up when I got over and he separated me from the past. Look what we've got now. Here's what Joshua says to the people. He says, you live in cities that you didn't build. You've got orchards and vineyards that you eat from that you didn't have to plant. God's given you a land of milk and honey, total provision, even the desires of your heart. God's given this to you. He's dropped it on top of you. He says, look over your shoulder and realize God's made this happen and it's been worth the journey. Every day of my life, at some point in time during the day, I'll stop and look over my shoulder and realize it's been worth the journey. The battles, it's been worth it. The days when I had to have courage, it's been worth it. The days when I had to believe when I couldn't see, it's been worth it because God has been faithful. Uh, women, let me say to you today, I know some of you have got some really tough circumstances. Some of you've got it a little easier. But for all of us, we've got a history. We know where we came from. We know where we were when we started this walk of faith. And now you look back and you see the years and the miles. 
It was it worth it? Absolutely, it was worth it. And I won't stop this life that I've been living. But what we have to understand today is, as long as we're alive, we can't stop living this life of courage and faith. Even from generation to generation, your role in the family changes. What you need to do for God changes. What you're able to do for God changes. You're able to do more now because of your experiences and what you've learned. No believer ever gets to retire from God. You don't get to retire. It's a walk of faith. How many grandmas, how many great-grandmothers in the house can lift a hand and say, you never get to stop? The role changes, but you never stop. That's what God wants us to understand. Joshua said, look what God has done. It's been worth it. But then he gives Israel his best advice. And here's... Here's where I really want to spend a few minutes today. He says, serve Jehovah God and put away all other gods. Serve the true God and everything else that tries to call itself God, put it away, put it aside. Now, why is this important? I can imagine this generation that possessed the promised land, they were raised in the wilderness. Do you realize that? These people were raised in the wilderness. Their parents had been slaves. They were raised in the wilderness. All they had was manna from heaven, which was good. Scripture says it tasted to everyone's liking. Whatever tasted good to people, that's what it tastes like. How many of you like to have a little filet mignon every morning? I would like that myself. Might not be good for me, but I would like that. But it tasted to their liking. So God's given them manna. They get up every morning, take their bowl out, pick up the manna off the ground, and that's food for the day. Every day they've got water coming from the rock. For 40 years, they live in the wilderness in this kind of situation. But now, they're the generation that have gone in and possessed the promised land. They've got cities. They've got orchards. They've got vineyards. But they've got to take care of the orchards. They got to take care of the vineyards. They've got to work the fields. There's rain to get the crop started. There's a ladder rain to finish the crops and bring in the harvest. But they have to work it. But along the way, Joshua warns them and says, it's really easy to get self-confident, to get complacent, and to let other things come into your life that become too important to us. It's really easy sometimes to think, look what I've done. Let's don't ever get to the place where we look over our shoulder and say, look what I've done. Let's always remember it's God that made these good things happen in my life, and he deserves the praise for it. And there's more to come. Joshua's best advice is serve God. Serve God. Don't get other gods. In your, don't let things become too important in your heart. Don't get off track with God. Serve God. Have the courage to keep going forward. Even as you get older, I'm at the end of my life, but I keep walking every day with faith and courage. Keep serving God and keep the other gods out. And I got to tell you, it takes courage to serve God. It takes courage to walk with God. It takes courage to be a woman in today's society. Some of you carry so much. There are single moms in this place who carry the roles of two or three people. And you do it day after day after day, and you're wondering, how do I solve this problem? Well, the best thing you can do is keep walking with God and keep Him first in your life. But I want to talk to you about an example of courage that 
I learned from that I think will speak to you today. I've got a great heritage. I've I talked about it in church now and then. My great-grandmother was a Pentecostal preaching pioneer in the early 1900s down in the state of Arkansas. So I'm like a fourth-generation Christian. I've got a great heritage. I've learned from her when I was a little kid. I learned from my grandfather who was raised in Brush Harbor services. I've learned from my mom who was raised in church. I was raised in church. I've got a strong, strong, strong Christian heritage. And in my home, in my family, we had a foundation of life where it was all about God and it was all about being in church. That's kind of my heritage. Now, don't misunderstand. That doesn't put me in a place above anybody else, but I just want to tell you about my experience if I could today. My dad was, I mean, at his funeral, I, I, you know, I, I, I told the people, there were smarter guys, there were more wealthy guys, there were guys who were bigger and stronger and tougher in a lot of ways, but all things considered, I never knew a better man than my dad. He was a great guy. But my dad refused to go to church and refused to make a full commitment of his life to God until I was about 20 years old. But I was raised in church because I had a mom who understood if he's not going to go and if he's not going to take the responsibility to be the spiritual head of this house, I'll do it. I'll do it. It wasn't her place, but she did it. And I was blessed. You know, I, I talk about this a lot. I got my dad's sense of humor. It's ornery. Uh, my, my dad was the type of guy, he would pick at you and pick at you and pick at you until you're ready to fight or ready to cry. And then when it got to that point, he'd back off and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He loved to play jokes. He loved to, well, I've got a little bit of that. In, no, I don't. I've got a whole lot of that in me. <laughs> but I love to laugh. I love to have fun. I got a lot of that from my dad. But when it comes to spiritual things, I didn't get any of that from my dad. I learned spiritual lessons from my mom. She was a woman of courage. And I want you to look, let me just recount for you a little bit of what Joshua said. He said, now, therefore, I want to show you five things about being a courageous woman today. Number one, now, 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 now. Courage brings urgency to our lives. You know, there's a way too many of us saying, well, someday, someday nothing. Someday is possible because of what you do today. And Joshua says, now therefore, now, right now, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. He said, you need to get sincere with God. You need to get serious with God because God knows if you're serious or not. And he says, right now, let an urgency rise inside of you and say, I'm going to take advantage of this moment because this moment is creating my future. I don't know how many of you just heard what I said but I want to make sure it hits home today. What you are doing right now is creating your future. Well, someday God's going to, well, what are you doing right now? What are you doing to get the soles of your feet on what God said he was going to do? Because Joshua reminded them, we got from where we are, where we were to where we are by having faith and by having courage, by following God, by getting our feet wet in the Jordan, by stepping into to Jericho and walking around the walls. We did all this stuff because God told us to, and we planted seeds one day, and we reaped the harvest the next. What seeds are you planting today? Do you have urgency? There's some things that Ann and I have been praying about. 
asking God for, and there are some things we're believing for. But there's a couple of things that we're dealing with that we're going to have to step up and have a new sense of urgency. We've been saying, okay, God, we're believing for this, we're believing for this. It's time for us to get our feet into some things that God has promised for our future. Let me give you a little story. I, I've, I've told recently in one of my messages, many years ago I went through the most devastating time of my life. It's been probably 17 years ago, something like that. I mean, I, I started life over basically is what it came down to. I was at a tough time, devastated, trying to figure out where I go from here. I basically said, God, I'll go work a job, and if you'll bless me, I'll bless the church. You just show me what to do. Everything was upside down. I walked into a church service one night. This guy was speaking. At the end of the service, he said, I'm going to pray for some people and minister as the Lord leads me. And the first thing he did, he called me out. He said, I want to pray for you. So he asked me to stand up. He has me come to the front of the building. This guy stands there for 12 minutes and reads my mail. I mean, he talks about where I've come from and just went on and on and on, God preparing me, all this stuff. But he makes a statement to me and he says, now in the future, there's going to be places where God's going to send you, like Africa. You're going to do work there. Well, I was already preparing to go to Africa at that time. And he says, you're going to be going to Africa, da-da-da-da-da-da, God's going to do some other things. And down the road, um, um, he kind of stutters and stammers and he said, and... Um, uh, and, and Asia and west of here. And when he got finished, I thought, Asia, west of here? I'm not going to Asia, I'm going to Africa. That's where my heart is. Over the next three or four years, I made three trips into Africa, setting up some, some discipleship things and setting up some schools in East Africa. Came home, went back to pastoring, got involved in pastoral ministry again. Years and years and years go by, and I thought, you know, that was amazing that God would send that guy to encourage me and read my mail. But boy, when it came down to Asia and west of here, he totally missed it. And then last year, God opens a door, and I wind up in India. This year, God opens a new door, and I wind up in Vietnam, Asia and west of here. Now, why am I telling you all this? God has so much more planned for us. But we have to live with an urgency that what God says right now, we wrap our hearts around it and we start stepping into it by faith, knowing that if we step into it by faith, I'm planting seeds today for what God's going to do tomorrow. And we need to be willing to, with courage, step into places we've never gone before, knowing that God has gone before us. My mom lived with this urgency. And it was like every day is the last day of your life. So you better live it right. You better be ready to meet God. And you better be doing the things that God's called you to do. My mom worked a job, full-time job. Came home, fixed dinner every night for the family. Saturday, she cleaned the house. And Sunday, we went to church. But there's more to this story. And I'll tell you more about it. She lived with this urgency, right now, right now, right, don't ever, don't ever look down the road, don't put things off, right now, right now, right now, do what you're supposed to do right now. But the second part of this thing is not just the urgency, courage produces commitment. Joshua said, now do what? Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Commit your life, commit your ways, commit your future to God. Say yes. It's amazing how many people live their lives 
where today it's yes, but tomorrow it's maybe. And the next day is, well, I'm not sure. Then we have a revival. Oh, yeah, I'm ready again. The next day, well, maybe. The next day, well, I'm not sure about all this. Joshua says we have to live not just with an urgency about the moment, but we have to make up our minds once and for all, I'm committed to God. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God's committed to you? That I think we need to be committed to him. Joshua said, you need to be committed to God. Let me tell you about my mom. <clears throat> I told you about her work schedule. My dad had his own business. He worked six or seven days a week. Sunday morning, we went to Sunday school. I remember, remember, how many can remember the days when we had Sunday school? Some of you, it tells you you're getting old, okay? 9.45 on Sunday morning, we had Sunday school. L let me tell you what my day looked like. I mean, this, this was the Sabbath. This was the day of rest. I got up. I met my uncle who drove the Sunday school bus and picked up kids. I met my uncle at 8 o'clock, rode the Sunday school bus, and we were at church at 8.45 for Sunday school. As soon as Sunday school was over, at, at 10.45, we had church. And it lasted till about 12.30 in the afternoon. Then we'd go to lunch. At 3 o'clock, our church had a radio broadcast live from the church. They had music, they had singing, they had a short message. My mom was involved in all the worship and all the music and stuff. And so most Sundays, I wound up at the church on Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Then we finally got to go home. At 6 o'clock, we had youth service when you get to be a teenager. Well, even when I was a kid, my sister had to go. She was older than me, so I got drugged to youth service. So at 6 o'clock, we're back at church. 6 to 7, we have youth service. 7.30 at night, we have regular Sunday evening service, and it goes till about 9.30 or 10. Then we go out to eat after church. And I get to bed about 11 or 11.30. Monday morning rolled around. I was like, what happened to the Sabbath? Where's the day of rest? When I was a kid, I got to a place where I hated Sundays because I was exhausted when Monday rolled around. <laughs> Through the years, it finally changed. But I'm painting a picture for you. My mom was committed to God. And she said, I'm going to be committed to God, and my kids are going to be committed to God. Well, that's cool. Problem was, Tuesday night, they had choir practice. I didn't have to go to that, okay? Because that was for the older people. But before, before the days of that, when I was really little, the truth is, Tuesday night we had church. Friday night we had a weeknight service. We had two weeknight services. I mean, because, you know, nobody's doing enough for God. Nobody's learning enough. So you got to go Tuesday night and Friday night. So actually, back in the early days, they had Wednesday night choir rehearsal. So there's three nights a week we're in church. Then later on, we had a youth choir, and I wound up in that when I was a teenager. So Tuesday night was church. Wednesday night was one choir practice. Thursday night was another choir practice. Friday night was the other church service. I mean, that's what, that's what life looked like for years and years and years. Because my mom understood God's committed to us, and we're going to be committed to him. I hear people today saying, well, we're just too busy to, to find time during the week to do anything else. Are you kidding me? I know life is busy today, but my mom poured her life out on her family, on her church, on God, 
because she knew the only life that was going to pay dividends was a life of commitment to God. So she said yes to everything God said. Mom played piano in church. She sang in the choir. She taught a Sunday school class. I mean, my mom for years taught this young marriage class, and then they shifted her over, and she taught the young adult Sunday school class. And you know how it is with young adults. They get out of high school, and they're trying to figure out what life is about, and I don't need to go to Sunday school. My mom would be up at 6 o'clock in the morning calling people, getting them out of bed, saying, just want to remind you, Sunday school is this morning. It's because she was committed to God. The third thing about courage is that courage does not compromise. I'm going to tell you something. We live in an age of compromise, especially in the church world. We live in an age of compromise. We give up so much of God to make room for other things. Joshua said, serve the Lord and put away other gods. You know, my mom was the sweetest woman ever. But man, she knew how to draw a line and say no. And she knew how to get my dad's belt and make sure I understood where the line was drawn. And around the house, I mean, we had rules. It was God's rules the way she saw it, and you were going to live by her rules. If you're going to live in her house, you're going to live by, it, by her rules. And she drew this line, and she basically said, no, no, nothing else gets in our house that does not give glory to God. And she said, no compromise. One of the reasons why people get dismayed and they break down is because of compromise. It's one of the greatest reasons. I deal with people constantly, and somewhere along the way, they begin to compromise and have another God, then another God, then another. You see, what do you mean other gods? Things that become more important than God having his place. Anything that takes God's space in our lives becomes another God, becomes an idol. My mom, I mean, I can remember as a kid. Let me give you a couple of examples. You're talking about no compromise. When I was five years old, my mom used to have, you know, this stereo with the record players. How many of you remember record players? I mean, it's gospel music all day long, all evening long, except for a little, you know, we'd watch a little bit of TV, but gospel music's playing constant, Christian music. And I'd grow up around the house, so I'd hear these songs over and over again. I'd be singing these songs, and one day mom got to listen to me. She said, come here a minute. And she sat down at the piano, started playing, said, sing that song. She started playing. First thing you know, I'm standing on a chair in church, singing in church. Because <laughs> mom just knew you need to be committed to God too. He gave you a voice. You're going to use it for God. And that's eventually what got me into the ministry. Started singing and found out God had other plans. But I also remember some times when mom washing my mouth out with soap for some things that came out of my mouth. Anybody ever had your mouth washed out with soap? It's a wonderful experience. <clears throat> Let me tell you something. Paul, Dove doesn't taste good. The first time you get your mouth washed out with soap, you learn Dove does not taste good. The second time, the second time it happens, you, you find out that lava soap tastes worse. She drew some strong lines and she said, no compromise in our house. We are going to serve the Lord. And as long as you're in her house, that's what you did. But a fourth thing about courage is courage, I've got to hurry here, my time's almost gone. Courage confronts the enemy. 
As soon as you see the enemy knocking on the door of your house, you need to go out in the street and kick his rear and keep him outside of your house. And that's how my mom was. I remember one time as a kid, I got to be a smart aleck. You ever had a smart aleck kid? And she was trying to get me to pull weeds. Of all the chores, don't ask me to pull weeds. And finally, I started talking back to her. And she took me in the house, and she let me have it first. But I was getting older, and she realized, you know what? The belt's probably not the answer here. And she took me in the room. And you know what she did with me? She made me read the Bible, specific scriptures, and then she prayed with me. And I was like, Mom, give me ten whoopings, but do not make me talk to God about this. Now, why am I telling you all this? It's because when she saw the devil trying to get his foot in her family, she didn't wait to see where it was going. She went and put the enemy in his place. Women, you can do that. You can do that with your home and your family. Then the last thing, courage fights until it wins. I've believed this for years. I've preached it for years. You are never defeated until you give up. If you give up, you're defeated. As long as you're willing to fight, you are never defeated. God will give you victory. Here's the last thing. My dad was a great man, good man. Something happened as a young man that he, he got really turned off to church. I don't know for sure what it was, but for years he believed in God, but he, he refused to go to church. He had some little habits that weren't the best. Weren't all that bad, but he just refused to go to church, would not claim the name of God even though he believed just because some things that he'd seen in church. But I cannot tell you how many times on a Saturday when my mom was off work cleaning the house, I'd be outside playing and I'd run into the house to get a drink of water or to get something to eat. And I'd hear a noise in the house. It sounded like somebody was wailing and crying. And I'd walk back to see what was going on and mom's bedroom door would be closed and I'd put my ear to the door and I'd hear mom just crying and praying. She'd be down on her knees at her bed praying for a husband who just couldn't seem to see the light. As a kid, I sensed the urgency of that, and that, that hit me, and I began to pray for Dad. But I realized that some of our battles are only going to be won on our knees. And they're not going to be won today. You may have to fight today and the next day and the next day and the next day, but courage is never defeated because it just keeps on until it wins. Mom did that for years. One night, my parents had company from out of state and they went to dinner and you know I was 20 years old I was out doing my own thing I came home and a day or two later mom said oh I forgot to tell you what happened I said what she said we were sitting at dinner the other night and these old friends began to talk to your dad and sitting right there in the restaurant your dad asked Jesus into his heart and I learned it was mom's courage that she said, I'm going to fight for that man and fight for that man. I'm going to fight for that man until he comes around. And the rest of his life, dad was a churchgoer. I had the privilege of pastoring him for several years, him sitting in my church under my teaching. But I'm going to tell you something. He ended up there in part because he had a wife who fought for him. Some of you women have got tough circumstances. Don't stop fighting for your family. Don't stop. Then Joshua concludes his story or his message and says, in essence, you can do whatever you want to do. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord.
Courage makes the tough choices. Some of you need to make some choices today, and God's dealing with your heart. You're thinking, what am I going to do? I've talked to it today. I've addressed some of these things. Let God speak to you right now. Let's pray. Father, I believe the Holy Spirit is stirring ladies' hearts today. All over this room, women are hearing your word, and they're realizing there's some things I need to do. God, give us the courage to act. Help us to understand we don't get into the promised land by accident. We take it. We take it by faith and by courage. Show us where our feet need to step next. God, there are some women here who've been standing on the edge of the river waiting for it to open. It's time to step in and get your feet wet. God, speak to them today in Jesus' name. And I'll thank you for all you do, for all you accomplish today. Amen. You got some discussion questions, a couple things. Let me walk you through them real quickly. The first is, looking back on your journey of faith, has God been faithful to you in some amazing ways? Maybe around the table, you, some of you can just take a moment and share some amazing things that God's done in your life. Then the second question is, is there a challenge you now face where you need increased faith and courage? Maybe in your sharing, you can just share your needs and pray for one another today. I'm finished with my part. I just want to say thank you so much for the honor.